Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Tomahawk Take Podcast. I am your host, Jake Mastriani, and with me today is Fred. Hi, everybody. Not with us right now is uh, Alan, and um, Alan is uh, hopefully on his way and may join us a little bit later, but we haven't been on in a couple of weeks now, and before the holidays uh, really pick up, wanted to make sure that we get a podcast out to you guys, and a sorry again for... Um, the lack of an update here the past couple of weeks we've had some stuff going on family wise uh, preventing us to get a podcast out but hopefully you understand and hopefully uh, with the difficult times going on I know everybody's kind of struggling and getting through it all so appreciate your patience with us and we promise to to bring you more frequent uh, podcasts going forward but with not having anything the past couple of weeks, there really hasn't been uh, much news to talk about, especially on the Braves front. I mean, they did a lot of their work uh, early, signing Smiley and, and Morton, and the, the market for the hitters just really hasn't picked up yet, as we kind of knew uh, going into the offseason. That market would be a little slower than normal with the, the cloud of a DH or no DH possibly looming, and <laughs> the league basically said to – to work as if there is not going to be a DH, but they didn't officially say there won't be a DH. So uh, it's still kind of up in the air, and we don't know, and um, that's frustrating, and I'm sure it's frustrating for, for GMs, but uh, that's where we are in the offseason. That's really what's kind of holding things up. And uh, another thing holding things up that we'll get into in a little bit is we don't really know when the season's going to start or what it's going to look like or what the postseason's going to look like. So all of that combined really is just – put a pause on the off season and now with Christmas next week and New Year's the week after that uh, we're probably not going to see much news at all till after the new year but beyond that there was some awards announcements uh, the last couple of weeks that we uh, didn't mention on the podcast of course we um, been writing daily on the the site at tomahawktake.com um, so make sure that you're checking there frequently uh, for for daily news and articles looking at free agents and possible Trade scenarios this offseason, but the Braves had several guys uh, land on the all MLB team. 
uh, which was great to see. Um, you had Freddie Freeman at, at first base. You had Ronald Acuna in the outfield, Marcelo Zuna as the DH, and Max Freed uh, as first-team pitcher. I was a little surprised, Fred, to see that Travis Darno didn't at least make second-team catcher over Real Muto. I thought Darno had a better offensive year than Real Muto. That may have just been the the result of JT being a bigger name and this obviously being partially fan voting. Um, were you a little surprised that TDA didn't get a, a nod there? Well, yeah, I, I, and you're right. The, uh, the the advantage of being the name that every, everybody's talking about every day puts you in the people's minds who watch baseball and want to vote for something but aren't really as heavily involved in it as others. You it's the reason Ron Santo took so many years to get in the, in the Hall of Fame. He played the same time as Brooks Robinson, and everybody thought Brooks Robinson was wonderful. Santo was doing the same thing in the other league, but do I pay attention to him? And this is the kind of thing you get when you've got a superstar at a position like Real Muto. Uh, he, he kind of sucks the air out of the room, and you have to do something really different. And in the 60-game season, that's why uh, Darno didn't make it in. Darno was every bit as productive as Real Muto, maybe even better in in various ways because he played on a team that was winning. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's one of the sad things about when you have fans vote, that's what happens. Yeah, it's a little, little unfortunate for TDA there. I thought he de- deserved it. But, um, again, four other Braves make uh, first team, and or three of them make first team. Acuna made second team in the outfield. So a, a really good year for the just the Braves all around, which tells you how good of a team they were. Freddie wins the Hank Aaron Award, which was a really special moment to watch that. And one of the things that stood out for me, there was a quote, I believe it was from Bowman, and it was actually from back in spring training where Hank Aaron said that Freddie Freeman was his favorite player. You know, that's pretty cool to think that a legend like Hank Aaron, you know, considers Freddie Freeman to to be his favorite player and the guy he likes to watch. Obviously, he's probably a little biased being being a Braves fan, but, um, you know, I think I think everybody loves Freddie, and that wasn't a surprise to to hear or that he won that award. But uh, it was just a really cool moment for Braves fans, I thought. Uh, and then the other thing is Ozuna won the DH of the Year award again, a no brainer. And you know, if uh, I think if Freddie wasn't you know up there in the MVP race, I think Ozuna could have very easily had a, a case to win it. Um, but obviously, um, you're not going to split the votes like that. And, and Freeman got the the bulk of the nod for the Braves as he should have. Um, but another, you know, great year for Ozuna, um, winning the DH of the Year award. But Fred, any of your thoughts on the the awards for the Braves? Well, I think the right people got recognized. I, you know, I thought maybe Max needed to bump up the list a little bit. Um, I, Ronnie played all year with a hurt wrist. Acuna, he had, he played all year with a bad wrist, and that hurt his. That, that knocked him down a notch. I think uh, he clearly wasn't the player he was in 2019 um, and that, that hurt a bit when you get when you're playing through injury and playing through the pain it's hard to be a superstar but I, I you know I thought it was really good when you land four players like that um, your team's pretty pretty darn good and I thought the Braves did really well at that and I think that goes back to the organization and the way that that uh A's built it since he took over, that he's patched it up and, and, and filled the gaps and tried to make up for the losses since he took over. And uh, it's just been a really a group effort with people on the team like 
Arno and, and Freddie, uh, who said, look, this, we got to do this together, guys, because none of us are that really that wonderful, even though we know that a couple of them were. So it, it, it was a real team effort, and that's how you elevate people to the top, with the people underneath holding them up. So I was proud of the team for doing that. Yeah, no, you're right. And it's a good sign to see all those um, players getting recognized, and it just shows you kind of the, the depth of this team. When you think about it, you know, like you said, Ozzy didn't have a great season. He was banged up. Uh, Ronald was banged up and still um, got recognized for a good season. And then, you know, Mike Soroka obviously being hurt. I mean, you know, that's two other guys, and Albies and Soroka that you could barely, very easily see in contention for all MLB team next year. So, um, you, you know, it just goes – to show what we've kind of been talking about, the Rays are in this window with this core group that they have. And if, you know, AA just keeps putting the right pieces around them, you know, eventually it's going to click and they're going to, going to win it all. But, um, still some pieces to, to put together this offseason. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but the other news, uh, you know, there really hasn't been a lot of big free agent signing news. The biggest one so far is the Met signing. James McCann to a four-year deal for 40, 40 million or roughly around there. You know, the first big move from the Mets who have done a lot of talking this offseason. And so far, you know, that's been uh, their biggest move so far. And you wonder if that takes them out of the race for Real Muto or if they got enough money that they'll just get McCann and Real Muto. But um, what were your kind of thoughts on that signing for the, the, the Mets, Fred, and uh, what else they might be doing? I thought it was a smart signing. I, I'm not, you know, everybody talks about Romuto like he's going to be the guy he was in Florida forever. And he's now had a hip injury and he's getting old, older. And when you start throwing 20 million a year at a catcher, uh, and they age pretty fast, uh, see also Buster Posey. Uh, you, if I'm going to long term big dollar contract, I don't want it behind the plate. That's why. That's why the Twins tried to move Morneau out from behind there. Uh, and that's why people tried to find a place for McCann uh, and, and Piazza. They don't want that bat back there because they know it's going to shorten his career. And, you know, maybe he's worth it. He probably will get the money somewhere. But I thought it was a, smarter, a really smart baseball move to put your money in a guy who's defensively as good and may not hit as well, but you, it frees up money to go after George Springer uh, uh, for the, would they really, really need in the outfield and, or maybe even Bauer. Uh, so they have money now to put on players who are going to go out there every day and stay healthy and be a longer, better, longer term investment. Now that's just my view on it, but I think that that's why they focused on McCann and didn't go after Real Moto with 125 million in five years. Um, I just think it was a smart deal. The rest of it, I don't know what they're going to do, but I, that was, uh, that was a really good move from Sandy Alderson. Yeah, I hate to hear that they're making good moves, but I kind of tend to agree with you there because the Mets have more holes than just that catcher, and they they take care of catcher and a good player in James McCann. Obviously, not to the the caliber of Real Muto, but it kind of you know leaves them room to do other things where they obviously have other holes. And I think you mentioned George Springer. I think I think he's got to be at the top of their list and probably the the free agent that they go after the most and wouldn't be surprised if they get him. And I, I think he would, you know, help that team out a lot more, but, but yeah, good, good signing for the Mets. Now you wonder where real Muto's market is. Cause you really don't hear of anybody else kind of being in on him. Um, you kind of think that maybe he's left to go back to Philly, 
but we'll see how that that market plays out. I'm not sure Dave Dombrowski wants him back at that price. Well, somebody's got to take him. He's the best catcher in the game, so. Well, I understand. <laughs> we'll see. But I, you know, if if he if he's I don't if he goes back there, I don't think he gets that kind of money. Or if he does, it's in options and incentives. I don't know anybody right now who badly needs a catcher who's got a checkbook big enough to do that. Somebody suggested to me on another another place that they should sign him, and I said, well, they've got Will Smith back there, and he had a better year than Real Muto last year. So you and he cost them minimum wage. And you wouldn't do that. You you've got that guy there, the Giants maybe I guess, but they've got Joey Bart coming. Um, and Zaid, he's got money. I just don't know where he goes or gets 25 a year. I just don't know, but he gets that. He may end up with 420 and an option for, for something, but I don't know. I just, you know, I, I have a hard time seeing Dabrowski do that when he has so many other things to do. No, I, I think you're right. Like I said, I, I don't know where, if it's not the Mets, I don't know where he goes other than back to Philly because, like you said, there's just not a lot of big market teams out there, you know, looking for a catcher. So, Maybe it's not the right offseason for him, and maybe he takes a one-year deal with the Braves and uh, tries it again <laughs> next offseason. But, um, uh, yeah, I don't know where, where Real Muto goes next. We did get some uh, quotes from Alex Antopoulos today. I saw these from uh, Corey McCartney on Twitter. A couple interesting things out of that. He said, we'd like to get a middle-order bat. He said, I'd like to think that we'd come out of the offseason with a bat, but we may not. Kindly replied, that's not <laughs> – that that can't happen. You have to get a bat. He said he's also not a big believer in having a pure DH. Says he likes to rotate guys through. You know, that's something that, you know, I, I didn't mind the DH, but the bench just completely became irrelevant at that point. And I don't love that aspect of it. And Thabla says, you know, despite losing Melanson and Green, he still feels like they have, you know, five guys who can pitch late innings, which is true. Um, but I still think they get another bullpen arm or two. And then he said on the young arms and innings being limited after a shortened season, uh, he said, I'm not a big believer in having guys capped. Need to watch day in and day out. You know, the the innings thing concerns me a little bit because you do have young guys like Soroka and Freed who, you know, haven't put together a full major league season yet. And you wonder how that could affect him. But then again, the season may not be that long anyway, so we may have another shortened season. But any of those quotes or anything from Antopolis there stick out to you, friend? Well, the one thing that sticks out is I think he said the same thing the last two years. I, I need to find a big bat. And and then there was Josh Donaldson. And then I need to find a big bat. We can't pay Donaldson them. And, oh, look, we've got Marcel Ozuna. Gee whiz. The problem with this year, and we discussed this a little before we went on the air, is that uh, that guy isn't out there. They're just That guy just isn't there uh, for them to uh, sneak in and and steal under the radar. So you wonder how he's going to do that. I mean, we discussed this a little bit. You look around the free agent list and you go, yeah, I don't see anything. So you start thinking about trade and you go, yeah, I don't see anything there either. <laughs> so yeah, it's going to be wonderful uh, when he pulls us out of his hat and surprises us all. He talked about, he settled the pitching thing down and I think the bullpen thing will work out because I, he, I agree. He, he's not worried about the back of the bullpen so much. He'd like to have another arm in there, another veteran arm in there. Uh, but I think that uh, the bullpen will be fine because there are a lot of bullpen arms out there. Uh, but the uh, the bat thing has uh, – we talked earlier. I don't know where you go get that bat. I don't know which team has one that you go get you trade for. I don't know. Do you take a chance on a guy who's 
coming off a bad year and uh, doesn't have much value and you pop up something for him and hope he heals? Or do you try to go big and get a, get a bat that you, is proven somewhere? I just don't know. I just don't know in this climate where we may not play more than 135 games, despite the union's wishes. Uh, I just don't know that you know enough to make a make a uh, choice right now. And it, you meant you hit on this earlier. We don't know what's going on. Uh, and well, I don't think there's going to be a DH because frankly, the union doesn't want union wants it, but they want. You know, MLB to bow down and hand it to them, and on the same side, MLB wants it, uh, but they want the union to say, hey, look, let's do this, and we'll fight everything else out during the CBA, and the union isn't willing to do that. So it's just a case where everybody's out trying to find out whose shoes are the biggest, and uh, in the meantime, Mary's watching over here, everybody else is wearing sneakers, so I don't know what's going on, but it's it's sure a mess. Yeah, no, that's that's one thing we know for sure, that the, the situation between the league and the players is an absolute um, mess and um, we, we'll just go ahead and get into it now because I wanted to talk about it. Um, the the owners and MLB came out basically saying, you know, they don't see how we can start the season on time, pointing to the fact that they want everybody vaccinated, you know, before the season starts, and they don't think that can happen until March, which is obviously when spring training would begin. So, you know, they see the season maybe be delaying, being delayed a month, uh, maybe missing. You know, maybe only getting in 140 games or so this year. And I think the other part of that, too, with the owners is they want fans in the stands. Um, you know, they want to be making some revenue. I think that's probably more so their reasoning. But I don't know, Fred, your thoughts on kind of the back and forth there. Because then the union came out and basically said, you know, no, we're not doing that. We're going to start on time. We proved we can do it. You know, we can do it again. So, you know, just kind of beginning that back and forth spat, which, you know, I kind of wrote about or I did write about the other day um, is just kind of the beginning of a, another ugly battle between the two sides. But uh, how do you, you know, do you see the? I hate to, to try to put the the motives of the owners, you know, speculating, but they can kind of hide behind this. We care about their health thing while also saying, you know, we want to save money and make money thing. You know, and I hate to make it sound like that's what they're doing, but it kind of seems like that's what they're doing. But I don't know, Fred, your your kind of thoughts on the back and forth battle there. Well, you know, you've got two sides here. Uh, MLB is all about making money. If you don't believe that, you're watching the wrong game. They don't care as much about – well, they care about competitive a competitive balance in terms of if we can get more fans into more ballparks – we don't care how watered down the talent is overall, as long as most of the games are good. The union, on the other hand, Manfred took them to the cleaners last uh, CBA. They want revenge, in spite of the fact that you know they're still drawing about 51 percent of the of the uh, money that comes in ends up with the players. And uh, you say, well, yeah, it's only it hasn't grown from 51 percent. Well, why should it? I, I, you know, I'm not arguing for or against it. I'm just saying, assuming that it should go higher than that is based on what? Over the years, when it's 51%, the, the money coming in has grown significantly. So it's not like they're getting the same 51% of the money that they had in 2004. They're getting 51% of the, of the 2020 money. So when you're at that level, it really is this whole cliche of, Two, two people, two rich people fighting over who's getting richer. They've done this so openly. There's no 
there's not even a semblance of amicable negotiation amongst this. Manfred says something or something leaks. Clark is out there with something that is back in his face before Manfred's bike gets turned off. So these two sides are going to fight, and baseball and the fans are going to suffer. They could sit down now and say, look, guys, we need the DH. You need players. We need people in the stands. People want to see the DH. Let's do this, um, and, you know, we'll give you some kind of token now. But we can work out the big stuff over the season and before the next CBA. Let's give them something. Let's give them something that's going to put more action on the field or, or give them what they want, give the fans something they want. But they're not doing that. And here's the thing. we got Christmas next week. Nothing gets done from the 23rd, probably from next Monday, until the second week in January. And then you're like, what, five weeks from spring training if they open on time? There's no way in the world that a team can plan a roster and, you know, if you come up in the January 25th and say, hey, gang, we're going to have the DH, the owners storm the gates and beat Manfred to death. If you know, there's just no way you can do that. Somebody I heard uh, Casey Stern say, "Well, all the DHs ought to get on here and lobby." Well, there aren't that many pure DHs. Okay, we're talking about eight people who are pure DHs. Everybody else is a rotating DH kind of thing. So there just isn't a big lobby for it. Uh, I just, I just hate to see people who could be working together to do something not trust each other enough that they don't need a wine taster before they drink. It's sad to see. We, I mean, we talked about it all, you know, this year when we were trying to put together a 2020 season and just, you know, the two sides are not on the same page. They're not working together. Um, you know, they're not obviously looking out for the best interest of the game or the fans, in my opinion. And it's just sad to see. And again, I just think the, this start of the season is just the beginning of another long battle. And then we're going to see it again next off season when the uh, CBA um, is up. And it's just, it's bad for the sport. It's, it's a really bad look. Um, and you look at the NBA, which I don't, I don't care about the NBA. I don't watch it, but they just had a season end and they were able to get together and start another season within like a month almost. Uh, I mean, you just don't get that kind of cooperation. And I know the NBA, you know, player association and everything is not the same as what Major League Baseball is. The MLBPA has, you know, a lot more say in the matter, but it's just sad to see the sport kind of be I'm old enough to remember General Motors and the uh, United Auto Workers going at it uh, and literally eating their young and driving GM down in the in the marketplace and Ford down because all the 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 unions there um, negotiated together uh, with these people. So if you give this company had gives something, the other companies had to give it virtually. But there was a time when the American auto industry suffered because the unions and the own and the manufacturers couldn't talk to each other in a civil tone of voice. That's what we have now with the MLBPA and the MLB owners. We forget, we talk about Manfred the Wonder Dog. I talk about him all the time because he is the worst possible face 
for anybody as a spokesperson because he's a lawyer and he talks like a lawyer and he sounds like a lawyer trying to win a case. And nobody likes that except juries, maybe. I don't know. But the owners tell Manfred, give him his marching orders. And if they don't like the way he's doing it, they can tell him to change. And because they haven't, that means they want him to do this. So we've got the owners and we've got the, the rich players who control the union, and they're at each other's throats, and nobody is saying, hey, let's have a beer and talk about this. Well, except for when they did get together in the summer to talk about it, to hash things out. And then after that meeting, you know, Clark said, I didn't say that. And, <laughs> and Manfred, you know, put out a statement saying they had an agreement, and Clark's like, I didn't say that. And so even when they got together and they left, they were still at each other's throats and couldn't agree. So, yeah, it's it's an ugly mess, but I, I personally hope the season doesn't get pushed back. I mean, I got tickets for opening day. <laughs> I'd, love, I'd love to go. Whatever that is. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I don't, honestly don't care if there's fans in the stands or not to start the season. I, I just hope baseball starts on time. Again, like the players say, they, they've proven that they can do it. They can stick to protocols. Yeah, we had a couple of instances with the Marlins and Cardinals, you know, that shut things down for a little bit and put teams behind. But for the most part, you know, baseball did pretty good. And that was with traveling. That was not with a bubble. Yeah. So uh, I think they've proven they can do it. Players don't want to have another prorated season. You know, they want to get their pay. Um, so I, I don't know. But, again, if it's up to the owners of Major League Baseball, we're probably not going to start on time. Uh, the season will probably get pushed back a month. And, again, that just throws another wrench to the offseason plans because um, you just you don't know. And maybe these free agents have more time to figure things out if the season gets pushed back. So we'll see. And like you, Again, like you said, nothing's going to happen for the next couple of weeks over the holidays. So, you know, it's going to be. Allen's back. Allen's Good. back, yes. Allen's here. All right. I don't have anything to add because I agree with everything. <laughs> Manfred is, I mean, here, here's what's wrong with baseball. Ever since the commissioner became a puppet of the owners, we've gone downhill and we've headed down this inevitable crash of the bottom of the hill. And that's not going to change anytime soon because we've developed this adversarial relationship. The union had their, rear ends handed to them last year in the negotiations and the owners are still in the same position they were before. They, they control the dialogue. They control the schedule. They control the, everything about this. And the only thing that the players association could do is complain or strike. And either one of those things is good for the owners because they don't lose money that way. If, if they don't play, they don't lose money and does matter to them really. And that's unfortunate because they aren't worried about their own product, the, the, the game of baseball, but they, they don't lose money if they don't play uh, 162. They don't lose money if the uh, player association goes on strike. So there's really no retaliation that the player association has right now. They, they don't have an angle to, um, to make a, uh, uh, a negotiating point here, and and I think that we're in trouble because uh, this is not going to get any better anytime soon. Yep. Well, Alan, thanks again. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, and uh, thanks for adding on to the the note there that baseball's in a bad place. I think we all kind of agree with that. And again, I, it's I just unfortunate. Hope... Yeah. Yeah. It, I don't know where we go from here, and but I, I, I in fact, I heard this that 
afternoon at uh, this note that uh, managers have been told prepare for on-time spring training start. I'm thinking, really? What happened? <laughs> Something changed? And the answer is, well, no, nothing's really changed. So I'm wondering if uh, we're in for another start and stop kind of situation here. I, I sure hope not because I think that hurts the players too. Well, you have to but, be prepared to open on time. Until you hit it otherwise, you're, you have to be there prepared for February. You, yes. you can't sit there and say, well, we may not go in February, we may not go in February. We may not. Oh, hey, we're going. And then you can't do that. You have to plan yeah. and adjust as you move. Same with the DH thing. I mean, you're being told not to plan for a DH, so or all of a sudden are you going to say, hey, we're going to have the DH? I mean, I don't feel like you can do that either. Uh, I feel like you got to make that clear now. Either there's a DH or there's not. You can't just all of a sudden in February be like, oh, we're going to have a DH, and GMs didn't have a chance to plan for that. Did you all talk about Alex Anthopoulos today? Briefly. Yeah. On that yeah. subject? Okay. Yeah, the fact that uh, he he is – it was an interesting, artful statement, but then he's good with interesting, artful statements uh, uh, on this notion of – Gee, I'm not necessarily hard over on the idea that I need a pure DH. We just rotate guys in and out of that slot. So it's like, okay, well, he's going to be prepared one way or another, I guess. But uh, that's going to still be a, a lesser offense for the Braves than what they had last year if that ends up that way. Yeah, for sure. it, it makes a difference in the, what the Braves do this offseason, though, because I feel like if there is a DH, you go Absolutely. out and you can you can get two bats. Um and I feel like if there's not a DH, then maybe you only get one big bat because then I don't know what you do with the other one. Cause well, the, you got to have a pitcher slot in the lineup, so yeah. Uh, no, we don't I, know I who mean, the bat is. Alan, do you know who the bat is? I well, wish I was I was going to say that. It's a perfect <laughs> timing for Alan to jump on because I know he loves the Arenado topic. And, um, <laughs> I do, but have... I don't think that's that's possible. And, and I really wish it were possible, but I can't come up with a scenario in which it, it, it would happen. Uh, yeah. Me and me I and Fred possible, had a, but I don't think it's probable. Me and yeah. Fred had a great podcast before the podcast once again <laughs> where we, we talked for 30 minutes and didn't hit the record button. Um, but going over the topic because, uh, you, you probably saw the news this week where the Mets want to negotiate, or the Rockies want to negotiate with the Mets because they know the Mets are probably the one team that can take on that Arenado contract right now. Yeah. Um, I think they're probably a likely destination if Arenado does get traded. But, you know, again, as me and Fred were talking about beforehand and a little once we hit the record button, there's just not a lot of great options out there for the Braves this offseason, whether it be free agent or trade. So you just wonder. You know, and, and I trust in AA. He's gotten the the job done the last two off seasons, but I just have no clue where that big bat's going to come from, unless it is Ozuna. But I don't know, Alan. You you got any solutions for us? Uh, I have a hunch it's going to be a a different kind of a lineup. It's not going to be a thumping lineup. It's going to be more of a finesse lineup, and that that suggests to me Michael Brantley, because and like you suggest, we don't have that kind of a thumper around there. Uh, there was a moment in Anthopolis' interview on MLB Network Radio today where he seemed to suggest that the trade market was not happening, as if maybe he was exploring it. But it just wasn't there for him. It was a very brief, uh, almost an offhand comment that he, he made there. But I, I did detect the, the word trade going along there. And I, I'm guessing that he's beating the bushes like he 
like nobody's business trying to figure out some way to get that kind of a, a bat. And I just don't think it's there. So the the alternative is, well, if you can't get guys who are going to hit homers, then you get guys that could hit doubles. And that's where uh, uh, Michael Brantley might uh, fit in because he certainly could uh, fit that bill and, and he would be in theory available. Now, I don't know if they're going to be willing to, to pony up the three or four year contract that uh, Brantley's going to want for sure. And the, the dollars are not going to be uh, cheap either because he's going to be in demand. But uh, so far, he hasn't signed anywhere either. So even early com- comments that uh, he might be coming back to the Astros and that there's mutual interest didn't come up with anything there. That that happened back in early November, if I recall correctly. So it, it seems like everybody's sort of sitting and waiting and January's again, like we suggested a couple of months ago, is going to be a, a big flurry of activity because it's going to have to be if we do start spring trading on time. So uh, right now, I I don't see that big bat. Uh, and by the way, uh, on, on the Mets, they got way too many other problems on their hands that third base is not one of. Yeah, they could do it, but. I don't know. I think the Rockies are in a tough spot there right now, uh, sitting back with the need to negotiate with the Dodgers. And they sure don't want to do that. They do not want to have Arenado on, on that team for the next six or seven years. So well, the Dodgers have got a, yeah. the Dodgers have a payroll problem if they take they, Arenado. Because, they have, uh, yeah, they do that, but they're also going to try and get somebody else big, whether it's him or Lindor or eventually or somebody like that. So I, I don't think the Dodgers are worried too much about the payroll and the, the taxes and such. But third yeah, year penalties right. are big. Third year this, penalties are big. This is true. Yeah, so we'll see. Kershaw comes off the books in another year or two, if I recall correctly. So that, that may be one avenue where they try to, uh, cut back a bit. Seager, they may not have again. Um, but then again, I, I think that's, they, they're going to get some high dollar guy, whether it's Lindor or, or Arenado. So yeah, one way or another, I, I think they're still going to be flirting with that uh, luxury tax and they're the one team that can really afford it and has a need right now. So the, the Rockies are going to have to swallow hard and figure out what they want to do. They're going to stay under 230. If they go over 230, they're going to lose four more draft picks this year, or you know, two more draft picks this year. So they're yeah. not they're not going to do that. They 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 uh, Friedman has built that minor league system up so that he can trade for these play people. He can give away those players and and do that. But the Rockies just can't send him to to Los Angeles. He comes to he comes to Coors nine times a year. Goes mm-hmm. four for four. Uh, in front of the fans, and and they're paying the Dodgers, uh, you know, fifteen million to do that. The Dodgers would have to give him give him at least two of their top prospects, a pitcher and 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 was it Gavin Lux, maybe somebody else for that. And that I just don't see how that trade happens. I I, I just don't see it working. You know, I, I you know if in the old days I would have said Boston could have stepped in there and carried him until they were good. But I'm not sure they can do that. Yeah, I'm not sure about that either. Uh, plus, they'd, well, they'd send Devers back probably. But, uh, I mean, is there an avenue for Atlanta if, if the Rockies were actually willing to take $15 million of that contract every year? What are you willing to give up? Well, Riley's the obvious headliner. Um, Riley and Waters? Riley, I would give up Waters for sure, yes. And Newcomb. 
And Newcomb, at least, yes. I would think Bryce Wilson as well, because I and think his stuff would play better. And you're fine. I, I think that would be a good uh, swap. Now, and I have think to, they'd do it. I think you'd have to do a couple other things for the 40-man roster, but I would like to see that that kind of thing happen. I don't, as I say at, at multiple times before, I don't think that's the style of Anthopolis, but I think that would probably do it as well, yeah. Uh, the Rockies are probably desperate enough to make that happen, and and, and send the money yeah. back. They would send if you give them that package. They would send you twelve to fifteen a year for four, mm-hmm. because it would clear them twenty million, and they could extend Trevor's story. Yes, and then they could save face in in Denver. Yep, and if you send Riley back, he's going to hit home runs out there, even if he strikes out two hundred times a year. Right, and that's going to work for the fans, and and that'll give them enough cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think it's doable. I just don't know that, like, as you said many times, and you've written that uh, since coming to Atlanta, uh, his method of building the club. And Jake said this earlier when we were when we were talking either before I don't remember he turned turned the mic on, but, <laughs> but we were talking before. He said, "Look, you know, he's he's decided he's going to go for these shorter duration contracts." Well, that's good, except he didn't do that with Acuna, and he didn't do that with Ozzy, and he's not going to do that with Freddie. And when it comes down to Soroka, he's not going to do that with Soroka. So, you know, you start looking around here, and you say, well, yeah, he does the short-term contracts, but he's patching a hole. And if he can plug that hole and then plug in a uh, Puig in the outfield, mm-hmm. uh, you certainly look like you could carry uh, that. That would probably do it, even if they had to go to a DH at some point. You could probably work that out, but yeah. I, again, I don't know that that's in his in his, in his, in his radar. Yeah. yeah, there's another aspect to that too. The the idea that he's the this master of the one year contracts, um, and and yeah, he has done so very well and and strategically, but uh, it's not his overall philosophy. And he said so because he was asked about that today in, in the uh, MLB Network radio interview. And he said, no, he, he rattled off a whole uh, pass on guys that he had given two and three year deals to uh, Will Smith and uh, you know, Chris Martin among them. So yeah, he has done that kind of thing uh, where needed, but it's, it's not necessarily part of a policy or his standard operating procedure. So yeah, the idea that uh, he couldn't, Take on or wouldn't take on Arenado for that kind of period of time. It's it's not his style, but then again, superstars like Arenado are a different breed. That's why you give a long term contract to a guy like Acuna. That's why you give a long term contract to a guy like Albies. Those guys who are going to be the anchors of your organization and your franchise, you lock up for a while. Uh, that's why Freddie Freeman, I'm sure, is going to get uh, another four or five years minimum. So, yeah, you do those kind of things to to anchor your organization, to be the guys that you build around, and then, yeah, you patch the holes with the one-year deals where, where it makes sense. So, yeah, I, I don't think that's, that in and of itself is against his style, but I think the big deal uh, of going out and, and making this huge commitment in terms of uh, uh, players to send somewhere else, I think that's what's really out of his style right now. Yeah, he hasn't made that big trade. You know, I keep saying that. You know, he hasn't made a, a trade where he's given up any, you know, anything prospect wise. And but as I also keep saying, I think at some point that has to happen. And as you mm-hmm. point out, Alan, I think Arenado's a guy that you do that for. 
I think the Braves window, if they don't win a World Series in the next four seasons, I think that kind of will be a disappointment. I hate to put that kind of pressure on it, but with the core they have, and you're able to kind of build around that, I think, you know, Arenado fits that window, obviously. And I think that's the kind of move that can, can put you there. Uh, especially, you know, you got the run young rotation arms, which arms can be year to year. You know, arm injuries can happen very easily as we've already seen with Soroka and Freed. And obviously, you know, Soroka's a freak injury a little bit with the Achilles there, but he's had shoulder issues too. But, you know, you have two young guys making a couple million. Uh, you know, if you can build in the offense with a guy like Arenado who also built, you know, builds up the defense as well. You know, that's a move. I, I just, as, you know, me and Fred were talking on the pre-podcast show, um, <laughs> I, I don't think the Rockies trade him and eat money. I, I just, I feel like that's a bad look for them. So I, you know, trading one of the best players in the game and eating money, I, I just, I have a hard time seeing them do that. And I think the only way the Braves can do that trade is if the other team eats money. And they maybe can't trade it. him and not eat money. Yeah, uh, they're gonna have I, I to come to terms with, with that. This. I, I think I think there are teams out there who they can trade to and, and not have to eat money that can take on that contract. And I think you know if there's a team you know like the Mets possibly willing to do that, I think they'd go that route even if it is maybe a little lesser of a prospect deal. But again, maybe the Braves have the prospects. You know, again, I don't think the Braves farm system is that strong. I, I, I'm not a big believer in it, so I don't know if they even have. You know the prospects to to give them to make them want to to pay down some of that money. So that's where I'm a little less optimistic on it happening. I mean, I would do the trade that Alan said in a heartbeat. I'd give him Riley and Waters and Wilson and Newcomb and my right arm. I mean, I, I'd give him you know whatever to to get Arenado. I just I still don't. I don't think the Braves are going to be able to to give them the best deal. Basically, the Rockies are going to have to figure out. They have to have a come-to-Jesus moment. They need to understand that if they don't do anything right now, they're going to lose the player and get essentially nothing but a draft pick back for him. Okay? And that's untenable. They can't afford to do that, period. So the question is, how much are you going to? Are you willing to spend to make it happen. And right now the only teams that I think can possibly take on the entire contract without requiring the Rockies to send money would be the Mets and the Dodgers. The Mets don't have to spend that kind of uh, money or would rather spend that kind of money on, on other positions that have more needs for. So I don't think they're ne- nearly desperate as anybody seems to think they are to, to get Arenado. The Dodgers have the biggest need, but Obviously, there's the barrier of the uh, the interdivisional thing that, that that is going to keep that from happening. It's another pride factor uh, on on the ownership part in in Denver. So, barring that, they're going to have to figure out how much money are we willing to spend to do it, and it's going to take 15 million. I, I really do for just about any other club that wants to get involved. Uh, now, when, once you say, okay, I'm willing to eat 15 million, then you might have a feeding frenzy, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it, it, they need to do that to, to get this thing jumping. And 
barring that, they're going to end up with essentially nothing. And that's that they can't do that. They really need some players. They really need some uh, prospects in, in Colorado. And that's the only way that's going to happen is to, to eat a bunch of money with this. Yeah. And if they do that, like I said, they better get some great prospects in return. And I just don't know if the Braves have that, that would end them to, to do that. I mean, well, that's why you get the, these guys that are at or near the major league level and, and go ahead and hand them over. We've, we've got a whole bunch of that you could toss in there. Toussaint, uh, Muller. Uh, but why would they want those guys? I mean, they're going to ask for Ian Anderson. They're going to ask for Christian Pache. You know, they're not just going to take these guys that have been flaming out with the Braves. They, they have to get a couple of. You know, top fifty prospects. Well, that's where you Waters get, has to go. Waters, Waters and Riley, yes. Waters mm-hmm. and Riley have to be in the package, and and you got to put in a put in at least a pitcher or two uh, that they can at least uh, you know you've got maybe you maybe it's right and, and nuke them, but you have to put in uh, enough enough there to make it worth their while because even their beat writer when he was on one of the uh, the shows over the past week when I wasn't working said that you know. The, the Rockies would are going to put in are going to have to put in ten or twelve or or fifteen million to get this contract moved because thirty five million is a whole bunch of money for most teams and the Roger the Dodgers would love him but they aren't going to give up what it takes to take him and have the Rock have the Rockies take the money and a third year uh, as a payer becomes really draconian uh, when you go over two hundred thirty million this year and they push that a lot. Um, mm-hmm. They wouldn't with Arenado was there. They would just be under it, but they have other people they have to sign. So it's it's going to be a thing. You know, you could give them the prospects, but uh, Jake on the other hand is 100 percent correct. The minor league system, uh, not much there, right. not much there. You you because we drafted so far back, and some of the picks haven't pit, turned off. We there's not much in there. They're not Nebraska bad, but but they are pretty bad. And, uh, you know, you, you take, you know, you got, you got guys, well, you know, this guy looks pretty good. Well, I'm sure he does, but he, he's not that good. And once you move Waters and Riley out of the way, uh, that's about it. So when you're going to spend that capital, uh, if you're not going to spend the capital, you got to be ready and say that we're going to use Waters. I read O'Brien there say that Waters could be ready mid-year. I don't agree with that because <laughs> no. I don't think his bat's close to ready, but. If you believe that, and if you believe he can play, and if you believe he's going to do it, then you don't trade him. But, you know, if he's a year and a half, two years away, uh, move him on. Because uh, you can't keep waiting for all the – if you keep waiting for the ship to come in, all you're going to see is the tide. It just doesn't work that way. It, you you move when you have to move, and if you don't move, you're waving at everybody else as they leave. Yeah, like I said, I think there's a four-year window here where you got to win a World Series. And if Waters isn't part of that plan – and I know, I know. Me and Alan aren't high on him, and Fred, it doesn't sound like you're quite convinced yet either. And that's why I guess I don't really consider him a top prospect. Maybe the Rockies do, so they'll they can headline. It's the name. He can Again, it's the name right. thing. It's like the real yeah. Muto thing. It's the name. Everybody knows Water. He must be good. Well, right. let's look at it this way: you got Pache, you got Acuna. There's two thirds of your outfield. If you have to go out and find a, a left fielder every other year, that uh, that's okay, and uh, it's doable. Yeah, yeah. So go ahead and send Waters away on, well, on a trade it's like doable. this. Who are we getting for left field right now? I mean, <laughs> plug Puig in left field. 
He's, yeah. he's coming back. He's going to hit you. He's going to be an 800 OPS guy. Uh, play good. Play good enough defense for left for left field. Has a heck of an arm. Okay, he's not perfect. Uh, he's not a superstar, but he'd play left field for you. Or uh, you know, there are there are left fielders out there. Brantley's not going to play every day. Brantley's legs and stuff. Uh, he's not going to play every day, so he's going to need help out there. Uh, but you can find you can find league average players. And there's nothing wrong with being league average. If nothing else, you could get Duvall and Jack Peterson this off season and left yeah. platoon yeah. in left field, and I'd be perfectly fine with that. But third and fourth again, outfielders. Dodgers are, are looking for a right-handed bat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, third and fourth outfielders are not a big deal, and so so Waters technically is expendable that way, especially if you're going to plug the lineup in with a, a bat like Arenado. Yeah, no, you get Arenado and you got a top of your lineup in Acuna, Albies, Freeman, Arenado. You really don't worry too much about the rest there. So, I mean, I think that's that's fine. Like I said, you can find platoon guys like Peterson, like Duvall to, to fill in and and put in a, together a good lineup and a deep lineup. So let's make it happen. I mean, I don't know what Endopolis is waiting for. Uh, I would have traded for Arenado two weeks ago, but. Um, <laughs> he did. Su- he did suggest that things are moving pretty slowly right now. It it takes two to tango out there. You know the 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 the, the Rockies want to move him, but they also don't want to look like they're rushing to move him and give him away. And and there's there's they have a public relations problem as you correctly pointed out. The fans are not going to be happy about this, uh, but they have they have to do this. In a thoughtful, or at least an apparently thoughtful manner, because they they can't continue to sit on this and and then trade Trevor Story away, and then you trade Trevor Story away. Well, how do you replace Trevor Story? And and what did you get back for him? You're not going to get back what you would get for Arenado, and you certainly don't get the salary relief. And uh, you know Story could easily slide into the face of the franchise for Arenado and so on. There's a this is all there's more politics in this than we'd like to admit. Yeah, and I don't even know if they're going to be able to successfully uh, extend story because with if this scenario plays out where Arenado's not there, what else you got in Colorado? You've got a whole lineup of replacement players, unfortunately, and and I don't know that he wouldn't necessarily be with that because that's not a winning solution right now. Yeah, you're so, in the same situation you're in now where you paid Trevor Story on a team that's not able to win, and you're just – with another big contract. Not, the problem the story has is next year the free agent market for shortstops has Carlos Correa, Francisco Lindor, Corey Seager. Uh, you know, and then story's good. But he's not that good. <laughs> yeah, any, any other year he'd probably be the, the, the best shortstop out there. But, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Next year, not so much. Can Dansby Swanson play third base? <laughs> Can we trade for Francisco Lindor? Uh, I was trying to think the other day. That's a one-year contract. How can Antopoulos swing that and put him somewhere? But he'd have to play shortstop. You trade for him. He's just too good there. But yeah. now, now I'm just looking desperate because, as we've talked about, I, I don't know where Antopoulos goes. I, I really don't. I'm really curious to see what he does. And if you're going to trade with Cleveland. Get Jose Ramirez. Don't get don't get Lindor. Go get Jose Ramirez. That's yeah, right. That's You're still too. working on that one, aren't you, Fred? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it makes it, it makes the most sense the, for us. The, the problem is that he's cheap for three years for the Indians or for the Cleveland baseball team. So uh, why would they do that this year? And maybe next year they would trade him. Uh, but this year you would have to give him more back. 
uh, because they have this dream that they're going to be competitive next year, and we know that that's not going to happen um, because uh, they're going to have to deal Lindor at some point in time. The question then comes out, who's going to pay Lindor the money next year? Probably the Mets, I suppose. But but the the if you trade Lindor, then you might as well trade Ramirez too because by the time you're good again, Ramirez is gone. Yep. Yeah. And and O'Reilly uh, for O'Reilly and Newcomb and a body for Ramirez is still a good deal. Fair point. Yep. Well, uh, we've kind of stumbled on here probably a little longer than I, I hoped to or wanted to, but it was a good conversation. Um, Alan, I'm going to give you the floor here since you were a little late. Was there anything that you wanted to talk about? Um, we kind of discussed all the Braves awards and the James McCann signing and the possible pushback of the season. Um, I'll give you the floor if you want to comment on any of that or bring up anything else. Well, I'm I'm afraid for baseball right now because the things that I'm seeing in the news are not good. They they do not help uh, the fan base. They do not provide inspiration that we're going to get going and, and restore our sport in the in 2021, and that's not good. Uh, in terms of activity for free agents and such, it's playing out, well, pretty much the way we had guessed, which was an initial flurry and a whole bunch of little almost inconsequential signings that are happening right now. And as somebody uh, said recently, January is the new December, but my suspicion is it's even going to be later than that, uh, maybe early February before we finally get the flurry of the top free agents going anywhere. Because right now there's just too much uncertainty still in the marketplace. You've got uh, general managers all over hoarding their prospects and, and trying to get uh, – top uh value for their for their prospects or or in any kind of trade deal that they're uh looking at at doing so there's a lot of stalemate going on and that's unfortunate but it's it's the way of the world right now and right now we are just in a a wait and see mode and that's that's unfortunate because it doesn't make us look forward to February yet. It it makes us sort of say, okay, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And there's no answers right now. Alex Anthopoulos' hands are are tied. He says he's not going to force any deal. That that doesn't surprise me. He's not going to go out there and overpay for anything or anybody. He doesn't need to. Um, He's going to have to wait for the market to come to him to a great extent. And whether that's uh, finally uh, seeing somebody like a George Springer sign or or something to get the outfield market going, we just don't know when that's going to happen. And right now my best bet is that you're going to start seeing some movement somewhere around ML King Day in January. And after that – then hopefully the dam bursts and then we get going. But uh, until then, it's going to be slow. Uh, so everybody have patience, and we'll we'll see you in February. <laughs> yeah, no, pretty much. I mean, unfortunately, that's the way. And like I, I like what you said there, talking about you know normally when that calendar flips to the next year, you know it it's ready to go, and we're we're getting excited and ready for baseball. And I don't think we're going to get that feeling this year, and and maybe not even till February. So yeah. you know that's kind of a shame. For the sport, uh, I think the sport's just in a a really bad place. I, I still love it. I'm still excited and can't wait for it to start again. But um, things have just not been handled well at all uh, the last year or so, and it, it doesn't look like it's going to get much better anytime soon. But and it's a shame too for Braves fans because they have such a good team and have such a great window here, and, and that's going to remain. But um, 
you just I hate playing in such uncertainty and uh not really knowing what's gonna happen, but again, ho- hopefully that gets clearer and clearer as we get closer to February and hopefully we do start on time and and I'm sure everything will work out. In the meantime, I'll just have to be satisfied with watching uh, Cunha hit bombs on Venezuelan sandlot fields. That is true. That was the highlight. I watched that video about a hundred times. It was <laughs> it was pretty fun to watch. I, I love it. I think it was um, David O'Brien talked about this on his podcast. You know, he he pimped that home run the same way he would in front of forty thousand <laughs> fans at at Truist Park. I mean, that's just who Acuna is, and it's it's fun to see. I I, I enjoyed that. That video, it was exciting. I'll take all those videos that I can get right now. But that'll do it for this edition of the Tomahawk Take Podcast. I appreciate the conversation uh, with Fred and Alan and hope you guys did as well. Uh, Again, sorry for uh, not getting a podcast out the last couple of weeks. And uh, with the next two weeks being Christmas and, and New Year's, it may be a little while before we get another one out again unless some big news comes up and we're certainly not expecting that to happen but uh, we hope that you all do have a uh, great Christmas and a happy new year if we don't talk to you um, before then um, again make sure you check out the site tomahawktake.com as we will have up daily news articles and uh, some speculations on free agents and trades as well um, but that'll do it uh, again that'll do it for this episode and we'll talk to you next time This has been the 38th and likely final episode for 2020 of the Tomahawk Take Podcast. It's been a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC, a subsidiary of Minute Media Inc. Opinions expressed on the show today are solely those of their participants. Minute Media disavows all of them. All rights reserved. One of the musical selections used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. This was a piece by Kevin McLeod entitled Comic Plotting. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. All other selections used come via rights purchased by tomahawktake.com. Thanks for tuning into the podcast, and we want to take a moment to wish all of you a very Merry Christmas with lots of veteran presents under the tree, and then a happy escape from 2020 into the new year. We'll see you out for the next inning, whenever that might begin. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.